1: This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams.
2: Women to Watch. Sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is
1: for those
3: frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change
2: be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams
1: true philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given now women to watch here's your host sue rocco
3: Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm so thrilled tonight to welcome to the show Fran Hauser. Fran is an acclaimed media executive. She is a startup investor, and she's also the author of The Myth of the Nice Girl, and she'll be joining me in just a moment. Later in the show, I'll be joined by Dr. Marianne Ritchie of Jefferson for our Health Watch and international speaker Holly Dowling as well for our Inspiration Watch. So be sure to stick around uh, for the watch segment later in the show. I'm also pleased to announce a brand new addition to our watch team with attorney Carol Weinman. And Carol's going to be our new legal watch Carol's a woman-owned law firm and she specializes in the legal representation for issues related to autism. So stay tuned for her very first and special segment next week on the show. And be sure to visit it excuse me visit us as always at womentowatch.net. That's women the number 2 watch.net, N-E-T, to see our lineup of guests, and also to share your thoughts with me on past shows. We we always love to hear from you. So I'd like to get started with, uh, again, Fran Hauser. Fran is a media executive, a startup investor, and the author of The Myth of the Nice Girl. Fran, welcome to the show. Hi, Sue. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. I know how busy you are, and, and you're doing quite a bit of traveling and um, with the book especially. So I appreciate your taking time today to share your story. Definitely. My pleasure. So my very first question, I thought I'd start with the why of the book and, and really what the, the, the reason you decided to write it was. With all of the years of experience that you had in your career, Uh, My guess is that you started to notice a trend.
4: I did. I definitely started to notice a trend. And, you know, one of the things that I love the most about my professional life is that I get to mentor a lot of young women. And the most commonly asked question um, that I would receive from them is, how can you be so nice and still be successful? And this was a question that I noodled really over the course of my career, you know, over lots of... Transitions in my career and in my life, I just kept coming back to this question. And I think really the tipping point was in January of 2016, I wrote a post for Forbes. And it was called Nice Girls Finish First When They Ask the Right Questions. It ended up being one of the most popular posts in their mentoring series. And I started hearing from women all around the country, you know, basically saying that they felt that they were in this bind, that if they were too nice, they were perceived as a pushover. If they were too tough, they were, you know, thought of as a bitch. Um, And I think it was really in that moment when I got that validation that it wasn't just my own network that I was hearing it from, but it was really women all around the country. Um, That's when I knew that I had to write the book. So that was two and a half years ago. So it's been, it's been quite a journey.
3: Yeah, I, excuse me, I wonder if you recall, uh, or if there was a time period when you were feeling that you were not taken seriously uh, by colleagues for your kindness. I
4: would say earlier on in my career, um, when I was at Ernst & Young, Mm -hmm. um, and also even, you know, when when I went to Coca-Cola, just after Ernst & Young, I did have some... People in my life, you know, I guess I would consider them mentors, who would say things to me like, "Fran, you really need to toughen up." You know, if if you want, if you want to get the corner office, if you want to be successful, um, you're just too nice. And I have to tell you, Sue, that I remember there was one point in my career I was at Ernst and Young, and I actually took this person's advice, and I ended up going over someone's head to get something done. This woman, Jane, I went over her head. And I got the short-term win, but I ended up damaging my relationship with Mm -hmm. Jane. Mm. And I knew at that moment that it was actually better to just be myself, to be the nice person. Mm -hmm. Because when you're nice, you engender trust. And when people trust you, you develop really strong relationships. And I think at the end of the day, being successful in business is all about relationships. But I really needed that moment to see, you know what, this just isn't me. It's not who I am. And great, I got the short-term win, but, you know, now I actually I hurt this person. And the next time that I need to, you know, get something from her or get her help, it's it's going to be really tough. Mm, so right. that, that was a huge lesson for me. Yeah,
3: and, and I think sometimes when we do that, we feel then we're disappointed in ourselves for, for not being— authentically who we are. Yes. Yeah.
4: Yes. And by the way, that is the most common thing that I'm hearing. Being on this tour, you know, I've been all around the country and it's amazing to talk to women who have read the book. And what I'm hearing from a lot of them is, thank you. Thank you for giving me permission to bring my whole self to work. Mm. It's it's like they needed somebody to say, it's okay. Like you you don't have to check qualities like kindness and empathy and compassion at the door when you go to work. You can bring those with you to work, and they'll actually be a good thing
3: for you. Yeah, I know in in meeting you, you and I had a wonderful meeting in New York um, several months ago, and in doing my research that a lot of the influence um, in your life and what probably helped to build your confidence around all of this is lessons learned from your mom and dad. I wonder if you can share a little bit about... Um, what each of them individually um, gave to you uh, that allowed you to, to come to this place?
4: Yeah, I mean, I just, I feel so blessed to have the parents that I have. They, they're they Italian immigrants. You know, they moved to Mount Kisco, which is about an hour north of New York City, when I was two. So I was actually born in Italy as well.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and you know, I basically watched both of them build very successful small businesses without speaking a word of English. And, you know, my father was a stonemason, my mother was a tailor, and I was basically their general manager from, like, a very young age. Um, I, always, I love telling the story that when I was in first grade, I would actually write out the invoices for my dad's business. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> um, that's I, I tell terrible. my kids that all the time. Yeah. I don't know if it's, like, sinking in. But, um, but yeah, so I would actually do the invoices. Or, you know, with my mom, you know, I helped her when she had to create a logo, you know, for her, for her tailoring business. Um, and I think with my mom it's really interesting because I feel like I learned from her this whole concept of you don't have to choose between kindness and strength, that you can be both.
5: Mm. Because
4: I would watch her with her clients. You know, she was always so charming and, you know, the way that she looked at them and the way that, you know, maybe she touched them on the shoulder, um, you know, always smiling, just so kind. But when she needed to be firm, she could be, you know, she she could be very direct, still being kind, but she had no problem also being firm and direct when she needed to be. And I think that was just a huge moment for me, um, you know, actually many moments where I, I saw her interacting with her clients and my father too. Um, and, you know, they also just taught me the importance of hard work and grit and resilience. And um, I sometimes I, I think back on my childhood and I, I remember thinking, things like you know this is so hard you know why can't I just like do the things that my friends at school are doing like have sleepovers and you know go play and and you know it was just it was hard because my parents really needed me I was you know I'm the oldest of four um, and I had a huge huge amount of responsibility at a very very young age but at the same time I also felt so loved and I knew that my parents were doing all of this to make a better life for their family um, so it was really you know it was it was it was an incredible upbringing and they both have had so much influence on me as a person um, and as an executive
3: I, I think that's so great what you said about you know having the combination of kindness and strength and, and I would say in those moments of having to be firm about something you know and have conviction it's it's really just a matter of being polite right, that's right. So, yeah and and I think um, There's many reasons why that's harder for women um, to do that without feeling that they are, you know, compromising who they are. Um, Listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, your role in building People.com.
2: Now, the women to watch: Health Watch
3: our weekly health contributor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, who's going to be talking to us about sleep apnea, another um, issue that I think is pretty common out there. Yes, thanks, So It is a serious and common disorder,
2: which involves a temporary interruption of your breathing, especially during sleep, which results in no exchange of air between your lungs and the environment. It's important because it puts patients at risk for poor cognitive performance, meaning an inability to concentrate, And these repeat disruptions of sleep are not good for your brain, and these episodes of low oxygen or hypoxia bump your risk for stroke, heart attack, abnormal heart rhythms, type 2 diabetes, even fatty liver, not to mention car accidents, people dozing at the wheel, and costly mistakes at work and home. And the cause, we think, is a functional collapse of the soft palate or the roof of your mouth where it meets the pharynx or the opening to the throat and airway, and there's a cutoff of air despite ongoing efforts to breathe. The result? Snoring, and then during the wakeful hours, sleepiness. And I guess the classic we hear often is nighttime choking or gasping for air. But women seem to be more likely to report insomnia or just the sleepiness during the day. Why do you think we're seeing such an increase in this? Well, there is a pretty common tie with people who are overweight or obese, If they gain excess weight in the neck area, the neck circumference grows, or if certain uh, facial structures put people at risk, like those who have a small uh, lower jaw, people with enlarged tonsils or adenoids or any kind of chronic nasal congestion, any of these factors can lead to apnea or episodes where you stop breathing. So get a sleep study. Treat yourself. That's our message every week. Treat yourself like a diva. If you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will.
3: (laughs) A sleep study sounds like a sleep study good <laughs> sounds like do. heaven. <laughs> I'm going to study sleep today.
2: So, Dr. Carl Degromji at the Jefferson Sleep Center, a superstar, years of experience with sleep disorders. Formerly, the tests had to be done at the center, but a lot of times now they can be done in the comfort of your home. And the other common complaint is a mask. I will not wear that to sleep. It'll wake me up. But guess what? There are so many treatment options, several external devices, mouth appliances, sometimes surgery, but sometimes just losing weight and changing a medication in your regimen will help. But the newest therapy is Inspire. A little electrode attached to the hypoglossal nerve that moves your tongue forward and opens your airway. It's a handheld remote. You set it for a 30 minute delay, you fall asleep. Then the system senses your breathing and starts to trigger your tongue to move forward and open your airway, it's fantastic. This nerve only controls the motion of the tongue, not sensation, so you don't get any pain or any shocks. Dr. Mal Boone, B-O-O-N, a Jefferson ear, nose, and throat surgeon, stellar physician, has the most experience of any one person or any center in the world. Jefferson.
3: Sweet dreams. For more information, go to 1-800-JEF-NOW. You're listening to another week of Women To Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm joined today by Fran Hauser. And we're talking about her book, The Myth of the Nice Girl. And, you know, Fran, you've had a, a number of wonderful professional accomplishments throughout your career with some uh, some big um, heavy hitter companies, I'll say. And, and one of the roles you played was in building people.com. And I was curious to know what the greatest challenge was um, with that project?
4: Well, there were, you know, there were a few challenges. I think um, one of the challenges was that at the time, People.com was really more of a marketing channel for the magazine. So it was like, you know, you'd go to People.com to subscribe to, to, the, to the print product. Um, and there was also some, some news on the website um, but that was really its primary purpose and it was my mandate and the team's mandate to take that website and, and build a real big profitable business out of it and, and not just have it be a marketing channel mm-hmm. and I think as part of that you know whenever you go through that kind of transformation or transition or just you know thinking about an asset in a, in a different way it was really about kind of bringing people along, because there were so many people at Time, Inc., you know, People Magazine is a part of Time, Inc., there's so many people there that had been there for many, many, many years, um, and saw the value in print, you know, and, and by the way, People Magazine is a huge, huge business, right? It's the most profitable business probably still at mm-hmm. Time, Inc. So there was a little bit of hesitation around, you know, okay, we have this print product, you know, why Why do we need to be focusing on digital, you know, and, and, and building out the website? And it was a completely different way of thinking, too, for the editorial team, who, you know, they were so used to creating content on a weekly basis and, you know, having them think more about, oh, we just got this piece of news instead of holding it for the magazine, you know, let's put it up on the website, um, which it sounds so silly, right, in twenty. 18 yes. really talking about this, but yeah. back then... It and what was,
3: year was that, Fran? That-
4: this, this was in, I want to say it was 2004, yeah. maybe? Okay, yeah. So, you know, it was a, it was a while ago. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that was a challenge. And then the other big challenge was that AOL, our sister company, was actually responsible for selling all of the advertising inventory mm-hmm. on the website. And we were taking that back. So I had to basically create a whole sales team. Um, and business development team that was really focused on you know generating revenue, and because up until that point it had been outsourced to AOL. Yeah. So there were there were some there were some pretty big challenges, but it was so exciting. We had such an incredible team. You know, Martha Nelson was the editor in chief at the time of of People magazine, and we had Mark Golan, who's the editor of People.com, and. Um, Paul Kane, who was the CRO. I mean, we just had so many. I, I really feel like we had the best of the best um, working on that on that transition and that transformation, and it was really one of the best teams that I've, I've ever worked with.
3: I would imagine you had an opportunity to meet some really interesting people as well, people that were spotlighted.
4: Yes. Was that the yeah, case? Yeah, I mean, look, that was one of the fun parts. <laughs> you know, there were so many fun parts to the job, but, you know, we got to go to a lot of the red carpet events and movie premieres, and, you know, that was always a lot of fun. And and also bring our clients, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, you know, brands that were actually spending part of their advertising budgets with us. So it was really fun to, to you know, to bring them along, too, and to, to give them that kind of access. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it was... It was i always say like people.com you know it's such a guilty pleasure
5: it is um, yeah. we knew
4: that like most women that were visiting the website were visiting while they were at work and the idea was that they would you know take a few minutes out of their work day um to escape mm-hmm. you know and that's that's really what what it was it's just pure fun and, and entertainment so definitely working on that and being associated with it was probably one of, the more, one of the more enjoyable jobs that I've had, for sure. Mm.
3: So one of my favorite questions to ask is, is whether there has been someone in your life, other than your mom and dad, who I know greatly influenced you, but someone who believed in you and added to your um, confidence level. So whether it be during that time, that particular time of building that new and exciting digital platform, mm-hmm. or another point in your career, was there someone in particular, especially since we're talking about, you know, succeeding while being kind and nice and really who you are, was there someone who saw that in you and rather than telling you to, to be tougher, just, you know, yeah. uh, convinced yeah. you to, to, to embrace it?
4: Yeah, I would say that there there are you know a few people that I could think of. Um, the first one, though, that comes to mind um, was, uh, he, his name is Lamar Chesney, and I worked for him at Coca-Cola Enterprises, and he promoted me into a very big job when I was, I want to say 26 or 27, um, he promoted me into this director of finance role for the division, and I was promoted over, you know, many of my peers who had many more years of of experience than I had and who on paper just looked so much more qualified than I did. And I remember asking him, you know, why did you promote me? Why me over all these other people? And, you know, the things that he talked about were things like, because you have great relationships with people, because you can influence people to to get things done. You know, you have a team that will follow you anywhere. I and mean, I felt like that was the first time that someone told me that I was being promoted, you know, given given this opportunity to take on this much bigger job because of my relational intelligence. I mean, there was no discussion at all about my technical skills. Um, I know I had those too by the way, but it was really, you know, it, his his explanation I think just validated um, this idea of when you're a good person and you care about your team and you champion them and you really care about relationships and you show empathy when you're negotiating, all of that stuff, um, it it, it, will, it will help you to be more successful and it will help you accelerate your career. So I think that's um, – he's somebody who's very special. Actually, it's interesting. He and his family live in Atlanta um, now, and I'm actually visiting them in – October and um, we're going to do a talk at the Coca-Cola company in Atlanta
5: Um, and Lamar
4: is going to introduce me and he, he might even interview me. Um, but it's just so amazing that he's still in my life, you know, 20 years later.
3: Mm. And you'll never forget that, right? You'll never I'll forget never that forget relationship that. with him. It sounds like, you know, we're talking about EQ, right? Emotional yeah. quotient, which we talk often about on the show um, and the importance of it. Uh, we're, listen, we're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about your kind of leap into early stage investing and uh, get some tips and advice from you on that for our listeners.
2: Watch. Legal Watch.
1: Hi, this is Carol Weinman with Legal Watch. Today, in light of a recent case, I feel compelled to speak to you on the need for us all to better understand the behaviors of those with autism. I'm seeing far too many cases reported about students with autism who are arrested and removed from school. In Texas, this past May, A 12-year-old boy was handcuffed and detained for two hours after he was accused of making a threat with an imaginary gun in class. He's now prohibited from returning to school and instead he will be required to attend a disciplinary school. Now his mom doesn't understand why this happened. Her son didn't attack anyone or put his hands on anyone and yet the teacher did feel threatened. Too many times I see schools contact the police to handle what they see as a dangerous situation involving an autistic student. And I know we can all understand that the climate we're living in today has many hypervigilant and scared, but we need to better discriminate what is danger and what isn't. The law does protect students whose actions are connected to their disability. And if we bring the police in to intervene, we only add trauma for an individual that's already living a very challenging life. So contacting the police should be our last resort. When school staff are trained to understand these behaviors of those with autism, that's when we can achieve a win-win for all involved. So please visit my website at WeinmanLawOffice.com for more information.
3: Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments. It's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com. Or call 610-238-6636. The foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. Six six three six. Sue Rocco here. I'm joined by Fran Hauser, media executive, startup investor, and the author of the myth the myth of the nice girl. Excuse me. I love this book so much, Fran. I just you know on a personal note, you know how I feel about this topic um, because I think you know I I struggled myself when I was younger. You know, feeling. that when you're nice and kind, that people aren't going to always take you seriously. So I love that you've started kind of this national conversation around it, so mm. that women feel thank supported. You for that. Yeah, yeah, thank you, so. So um, I, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about um, the investing that you do, particularly in women-owned companies and and women founders. It's it's all good stuff, and you kind of started to dabble in it in 2013 during your time uh, at Time Inc. Tell me what the number one thing you look for when you're considering investing.
4: The number one thing I look for is, is this company truly building enterprise value? Like, are they, are they building an asset that a larger, more established company will want to acquire? Mm. Because at the end of the day, like for me to make money, you know, for, for there to be a return, mm-hmm. there has to be an exit. So it's either an IPO, and we all know like, how the, the IPO market is tough right now, or the company needs to be acquired. So that's really what I'm, what I'm looking for. And you know, just, just to give a, a quick example of that, one of the companies that I invested in, Hello Giggles, um, which is a great website for women. It's a, a lifestyle site. Um, I invested in that company. I want to say it was three years ago. And the reason I made that investment was because they were really focused on millennial women. And I knew, you know be- because of my experience in media, that a lot of the larger companies, larger media companies were having a hard time getting to millennial women, that you know a lot of their brands were aging from a demographic mm-hmm. perspective. Um, so I saw that they were building an asset that was going to be attractive to a larger media company that was interested in reaching millennial women. and they ended up getting acquired. Um, actually, they ended up coincidentally ended up getting acquired by Time Inc. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, Interesting. yeah, so. Yeah. but that is something that I that is the number one thing that I look for is is there is there a real asset with enterprise value? that is being created here that a larger company is going to want to come in and, and acquire.
3: Okay. So you know, you really have to be a visionary mm-hmm. to and you know, to have that intuitiveness.
4: Yes. A lot of it is a lot of it is intuition. A lot of it is, you know, you asked me for one thing, right? But a lot of it is how do I feel about the founder?
3: Right. And, I wondered right, how, like how yeah, that must be up yeah. there at the top.
4: Oh, that's totally at the top because mm-hmm. You know, when I make an investment, I'm investing in the founder or the founders, and it's really a long-term relationship. It usually takes five to seven years for the company to either be acquired or to dissolve. So, you know, I really think about, do I want to spend time with this person? You know, do I enjoy spending time with this person? You know, when when we have a conversation about strategy or operations or whatever it is, um, do I, do I actually, in, in, do I enjoy it? You know, do I think this person, do I think that she or he has the grit that's necessary to really stick it out? I mean, there, there's so many qualities and a lot of it, I do have to say, goes back to what you said, intuition.
3: Right. And gut. Yeah. And guess what? You know, I, I think that's so important. And if that, that's not a person that kind of aligns with you and your values, there's another company out there. That's right. Yeah. Tell Absolutely. me, how do you, from your personal experience, how would you say we're doing or progressing in the area of um, investment in, in women-owned companies? Are you seeing an increase? Uh, you know, I, I am. I
4: think it's still slow, um, but I am seeing an increase. I think what I'm encouraged by is that I'm seeing a lot more women investing, which is, which is really important. I think the more women that we have investing – the more women will get funded because a lot of the ideas that I see from female founders are companies or, you know, products, services, businesses that are targeted at women that I think just, you know, a a female investor will just be better able to understand what the value proposition is. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the other thing that I found is so much of getting funded is about your social network. And, you know, can you get to find your way to the investor's right? That could potentially invest in your company. Um, So, you know, a lot of women end up finding their way to me. Yeah. Yeah. Mutual connections through our, you know, through overlapping networks. Mm -hmm. So I am really encouraged by the fact that we we are seeing so many more women investing. My friend, Samantha Katz created this really great group. We're over a hundred women now um, in New York city who invest in startups and we get together once every, two or three months, and we share deal flow. Um, and we also do that over email as well. So I think that that part of it is 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 really thriving.
3: Yeah, that's terrific. And I, I know there's a couple other organizations out there as well um, who are doing the same. So I think the more of those that we have, the better. T- you know, tell me why it's important to invest in women-owned companies. Let's talk about the why of of women in particular and what they Mm-hmm. Will be offering as far as the business in the economy.
4: Yeah, well, it starts with eighty percent of household spending is managed by women. So, so women are making the decisions when it comes to the consumer products that they buy for themselves and for their families. And I think you know, then you have like all these incredible women that are creating those products, right? A lot of these products that are um, attractive to women. So I think it starts there. I think it just starts with the market and where where the spending is. The other stat that I really love, if you look at um, tech-based companies, there have actually been studies that show that female-founded tech companies outperform male-founded tech companies from a pure ROI perspective. Mm. Um, so there's real math, you know, and real data behind it.
5: Yeah.
4: As well. And and for me, it's really about the fact that only 7% of funding is going to women. Mm-hmm. 7% of funding is going to women. Mm-hmm. So we have to change that.
3: We do. And, um, you know, in, in wondering about why the tech companies women-owned do better, I know that in your book um, you covered a little bit about the studies that are done um, around the male brain versus the female brain. And and that's always fascinating mm-hmm. um, to me. And, you know, what's one of the things you learned Um, in doing that research in in preparation for the book that you found surprising?
4: So one of the things I found that, uh, that I really love is this idea of empathy. And, you know, empathy is traditionally a more female kind of characteristic. And, you know, the idea that when you're empathetic and when you try, like in every situation that you're in, like if you're negotiating with someone or you're trying to influence them to do something, your best chance of success is if you actually get into their head and understand what's motivating them, what's driving them, what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Because then the way that that person will view you now is, oh, she really cares about what I think, and she's really trying to understand what motivates me and what I value. So I'm, I'm going to trust this person. Um, and then that just opens up you know, an amazing kind of platform and space for real collaboration um, and conversation. And it's just so much more productive. So I think empathy is one of those things. And and by the way, like being empathetic, it's not just about business partners or employees, but it's also about the consumer. Mm-hmm. Like can you really get into the consumer's head and understand what their pain point is?
3: That's right. And that's always going to help, in, you know, when you're um, thinking about uh, your customer or client, you have to continually be um getting their feedback, I'll say, even, you know, understanding, but, but asking for that too, asking the right questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, One of the things that you have on your plate, among others, is a a column, an advice column with Refinery29. And I was wondering where you kind of go to get inspiration um, for what you're going to write about.
4: I love this column. I have to tell you, I've been doing it for four months now and it's, you know, it's once a month. And the thing I really love about it is it's got a twist. So the twist is that the advice that I give, we, act, we actually ask um, the person who I'm giving the advice to to follow the advice and then report back.
5: Right. So we close yeah, I love the loop, that.
4: Mm-hmm. which is so great. And we see kind of, okay, what worked about my advice what didn't work, you know, or,
5: mm-hmm.
4: you know, what did she do? What what didn't she do? And um, so that's been the part that's actually been the most gratifying because I think sometimes with these advice columns, you put the advice out there, but it kind of goes into a black hole. It's like, I don't know, did, did this, was this helpful? <laughs> right. so did it that, work? Did it work? Did it work? <laughs> did it work? So, yeah. so the fact that they actually like do it and then they report back has been so much fun, I have to tell you. It's, mm. it's really been a joy, and you know, Refinery Twenty Nine—they—they've just been incredible in terms of supporting me and the book, you know, and, and really getting behind the message in in the book. Even the the name of the column is "Advice from a Nice Girl." Yeah, um, I love that. I, I know, that. which is
3: great. Yeah,
4: so they've been wonderful to work with.
3: That's great. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Women to Watch, and I'm speaking to Fran Hauser, uh, mostly about her book, "The Myth of the Nice Girl." Hi, Holly Dowling here
6: and thrilled to give you some inspiration for your leadership watch today. So today I'd like you to pause wherever you are and wherever you're sitting. An interesting thing happens when we realize that what you see is what you're looking for. Let me repeat that. What you see is what you're looking for. You know, it's an interesting and yet such a beautiful dichotomy in life that when you want to begin to see things in a different way, you almost have to put on a new pair of glasses. I want to share with you the shiny penny. The shiny penny is a very important piece of my life. So we all know when you're walking down the street, and many of you have seen it, whether it's a penny or a coin of any kind, and it's just glistening in the sunlight, and you go to pick up that beautiful shiny penny. And just imagine that right now as you pick it up and you put it in your hand and you bring that shiny penny closer and closer and closer to your vision. And the closer it gets to your eyes, you tend to see a lot of flaws. And those flaws take away from that beautiful shiny penny you first saw that you gravitated to. Isn't that how we are in life? Don't we tend to hire people on our teams and spend time with people in our life, the people we've chosen to spend our most significant time with? And what do we do? We lose sight of their brilliance and what makes them so beautiful. And we begin to focus on what's missing or the flaws that they're bringing to the world. So today... I beg you and I ask you to go back to the shiny penny. If you're a leader of others, would you take a moment and begin to reflect on each of your team members and what makes them so brilliant and why you hired them to begin with, because they need to be reminded of it. And for yourself as well, start focusing on what makes you brilliant and for your loved ones back at home. It's time to reflect on the shiny penny. And that is your inspiration for today. I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me at hollydowling.com.
3: Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com. Or call 610-238-6636. The foley Hilsey Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. So I'm talking with Fran Hauser, um, a media executive, startup investor, and author of The Myth of the Nice Girl. And I, for this last segment, I just thought we'd get a little personal for our listeners because I think women like you who have really, not only have you um, accomplished many things in your career, but you're so doing it in the right way. But we all have stuff that's hard. And I wonder if you can just share um, whether you have a mantra or what it is that you do in moments of stress when things aren't going the way they should. Um, Perhaps when you're traveling and away from your two beautiful boys, who I should mention, you have two sons. Um, So how do you kind of um, and, you know, I never use the term work life balance. It's just life. Um, But being away from family and, and accomplishing what you are. Yeah, it's.
4: I have to tell you because I have been really, you know, noticing lately because I've been, you know, I've, I've been traveling and I've I've been away from the boys, which has been hard, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And the the one thing that I just continually go back to, which is really helpful to me, is meditation. And I I use an app called Meditation Studio, which I love. I'm actually also an, an investor in it. Um, but the thing that I love about it is that they are short guided meditations. So they're anywhere from like three minutes to 10 minutes and they're organized by category. So you can find meditations that are related to anxiety. There are meditations that are great. Um, if you need a confidence boost or if you're having a hard time going to sleep. Um, so that's the one thing for me that like, I know I can just turn it on and just be quiet Mm -hmm. and listen for a few minutes um, and just reset, you know. And, and so lately, you know, I would say over the last few months, um, be, because it's been a little bit crazy with the book tour and end of school for the kids, and I have both of their birthday parties on Saturday, and, you know, there's just there's a lot, like all of us, right? We have so much going on.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And I just feel like just taking a few moments to just be still and be quiet and, and reset, I, I find that to be to be really helpful. I I did a quick girls trip um, to Vale last week with my sister and sister in law for three days, which was amazing. You know, we did yoga, we we did you know, spa, we went for walks, um, and it was so incredible just spending time with two women that I love so much. You know, and um, and and giving myself that that time it was just it was it was such a gift to just be with them. And um, we talked about everything. We talked about what worries us. We talked about how to bring more fun into our lives. And um, it was amazing. And it's not something that, you know, I can do very often, but I'm so happy that the three of us made the time to do that. It was an incredible gift to each other.
3: Yeah. I think, too, just stopping sometimes and slowing down, it also gives us clarity. So we come back fresh to, to work, right? It does. And one thing that the
4: yoga teacher said while we were away, which is, you know, why I kind of went off on this tangent a little bit, but it reminded me, um, she said that we are all so critical of ourselves. You know, Mm -hmm. that it's so easy to think about the things that are not right, the things that we're doing wrong, Um, and to to practice self-love, like just really, truly loving yourself, you know, every single part of you. And that was something that, that really resonated with me, and I've really tried to hold on to that as as much as possible um, since I've been back. Because it's very easy to get into this cycle of you know just self doubt.
3: Uh, especially and being critical. yes, especially in this digital age where there's constant um, judgment. Right, It's out there. I think about our kids in particular. Real quick, what are you saying to your boys in this new era of um, the awareness around the treatment of women and girls to kind of prepare them?
4: Yeah. I mean, look, they're really young still. You know, they're kindergarten Mm. and second grade. Yeah. Um, But I just, I talk to them a lot about respect. You know, Mm -hmm. my second grader is on a baseball team, um, and there's one girl. On his team, she's amazing. By the oh, way, oh, I love she's that. So amazing, she's so great. Um, and he and I do actually talk about that. Like I say to him, you know, how do you think she feels? You know, she's the only girl. How do you think she feels? And you know, it's so important to be respectful. You know, yeah. and to be nice to her. And so I, I, I talk a lot about empathy, gratitude. We every Sunday we have our little family meeting, and we I, I ask the boys to share something that they're grateful for. Um, so I think gratitude is really important too
3: it is it is and you know what they're getting a great example just by having that girl on their team I love thank that you. Fran listen thank you so much for taking time with me today and I wish you continued success and I hope you'll stay in touch with the show absolutely thank you Sue That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'd like to give a quick thank you to our sponsors, Jefferson University Hospital, LaSalle University, Carol Wyman and Holly Dowling for their continued support of our show and our mission. And stay tuned for next week where we share the real story behind her title.
1: This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.